Hey everybody, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever it is in your case when you're listening to this. I just wanted to uh, start out just by thanking everybody who's listening. Um, At the time of this recording, I posted the blog, not the blog, the podcast last night. Just decided instead of being like my past self of like ridiculously, I don't know, obsessed, I think my wife would say, with everything being perfect and painting me in the best light, making sure that photo that's in my mind somewhere that's like perfect for a post, perfect for a back backdrop for the website, you know, all these things. I just had to put the brakes on and be like, who cares? I don't care. I don't. Like I've already prefaced in text form, you know, these aren't these aren't anything fancy. <laughs> these recordings aren't going to be appealing in presentation and quality and editing prowess. I don't have time for that. Let's just be honest. Or I'm not going to make time for it. Maybe it's just a more appropriate way. So anyway, that being said, thanks for listening. It's pretty awesome. I've already seen some people kind of cross through from seasons past. And I'm just going to be honest. That's really my hope. I know there's several people that I could just, I could name 20 plus people. Shoot, probably more. When I think back over the years of my life, different seasons we've been in when we were in Atlanta and involved with a, a number of things that just lives that crossed paths and had really meaningful times together, real awesome memories together that has somehow now been 20 plus years ago. People I grew up with back home in Illinois, man, I don't know. I'm already seeing some people. That's the beauty of watching traffic, right? I'm watching you. <laughs> but that, that aside, I don't want this to be a, a morning dialogue of my thoughts on a podcast. Whatever the case, I'm just thinking this morning on something that's kind of offensive. Let's just be honest. It's probably not going to land well with some of you. And I know that because it didn't land well with me for a very long time, but it's something we have to talk about for those of us who are saying we're striving to be what if we rightly understand and explain and expound upon is the present day manifestation of God, the eternal God on the earth. Like, we have to be careful when we say the body or the capital C church. We have to be really careful. We're talking about eternal, ancient matters. We're sure not talking about gatherings. And can we just not honestly say that's primarily how we define the church, the body, as limited to the way we prefer to gather? whether it's in a 
grand cathedral or on someone's couch. I mean, don't we often limit what our honest opinion and definition of how we understand and function within the body of Christ, don't we pretty much limit it to that experience? No matter what you believe or your doctrinal position on being the church as, a, as opposed to attending church, I mean, that's an old argument. Again, as I'm going to say probably in all these when we land here, it's like, that's old news. Like, I don't, I'm not interested anymore in talking about what the church isn't. We have to find what it is. Let's spend our energies and our time with what we are called to be and not what the present church is. We know she's weak. We know she's sickly. We know she has been reduced to a form. Okay, let's move on. Let's redeem the expression of God on the earth. Let's put our efforts into that, shall we? And that, in summary, is what me and my family and the other families that we share our lives with here are endeavoring to do. We're not, in, we're not endeavoring to instill into our children some new way, some idea that we came up with that we think, well, maybe this will work. No, we're trying to do the pattern that was set forth in the original church and the functions and authority of and the demonstration of those people called according to the name of Christ. The many brethren who followed the firstborn. This is the church. This is the reality of entering into an eternal ancient way. Nobody's got new ideas. We don't need any more new ideas. Is anybody else just sick of slick, creative, seeker-friendly ideas of men? Is nobody else sick of that? There's got to be a level of dissatisfaction with all of this fascination with the new the new way to explain God and to know God and to meet God where you are in your circumstance doing what you do. Just invite God into whatever you're doing, brother. That is just not scriptural. God isn't looking to be added to what we're doing, friends. What we do should be added to what He is wanting to be produced and inserted into the earth in our age, in our lifetime, in our children, in our grandchildren, that we might be positioned and postured to be the manifest sons of God that all of creation are groaning to see come forth into the earth. And when you start talking about things like that, there is no room for the form. There's no interest. It, it has no value. It has no, it has no proper place. The understanding and approach that the church is 
limited to weekly experiences that we kind of share in measure becomes really small becomes really in my opinion in my experienced opinion it becomes very little compared to the what I now believe and understand to be the call of the church but my thought for the day is this and it's somewhat out of that but in a little more specifics like I've just been thinking about prayer let's just start with like what do we really believe prayer is I'm not talking doctrinally like you know turn to Hebrews 4 and you know let, let's see what we are told prayer is. I'm not talking about that, but like when we hear that word, prayer, what does it conjure up in our imagination? What do you envision when you hear the question, what is prayer? And that's not entirely what I'm wanting to talk about today, but what I'm, what I'm challenged with within myself is kind of, if we can set aside what actually is prayer, which of course needs address, but that's not where I'm at this morning. If we even had a proper understanding of what prayer is, which we could admittedly say we probably don't. But let's just assume that we even have any kind of right understanding and approach to what we're doing when we are praying, when we're communing with God, when we're interceding for a brother, when we're pleading before the Lord and believing in faith that something that is spoken from my mouth can somehow instantaneously be in the ear of God and the God of all heaven and earth responds and is moved and hears and desires to hear anything that I might say that alone is astounding, right? But we have to believe that is at a very foundation true. Or else why bother, right? Why even do it at all? But my question this morning is our prayers. Like, imagine your prayer life, great or small, however it looks. Everybody approaches prayer differently. Everybody values it differently. I would admit that my valuation of prayer is very low. I... I pray, I commune with God, I, I am very, very weak on the interceding for another part. How many of us have had anyone express, whether it's in the confines of a religious, Christian, traditional order of service where it's on a back of a bulletin, prayer requests, there's Susie, Jill... Oh, there's Bob again. What's wrong with him? He's in here every week. Lord, help that guy. (laughs) Oh, raise your hand. I have an unspoken prayer request. Okay, Sister Lisa. God knows. No need for confession. That's another issue as well, isn't it? But however prayer requests, if you will, come to us, even in an intimate relationship with a brother, 
that I can confidently say I have here. I don't quite hold the responsibility rightly when a brother comes to me and says, in whatever way it's presented, I really need you to pray for me. Now, we're surely at a place here where, okay, right then and there, we're going to pray. You know, that is a... That is a like an instated way of doing things. Well, let's pray now. But I'm still guilty of like the writing it in my journal and like moving on. In reality, I I still do that. And I would say for me that that's related that's very acquainted with my low valuation of prayer. Can my prayers really help that brother? Can they really do anything? Not because I believe I'm too lowly and and too wretched of a man to approach the throne of God for another. It's not that. It's just I don't have a proper valuation of it. I don't have a proper lifting it up to its proper place in my life. I don't have that presently. I'm working on that. But my main thought about it specifically today is this, is like, when we pray, again, imagine your prayer life, like if you prayed this morning, what did you pray? Lord, help me have a good day at work. Lord, heal my marriage. Lord, may I be salt and light in the earth. Lord, would you heal my body? Would you, would you help me know you more? Would you help me be more conformed to your image? What is it we're praying? Now, I'm not negating people who do pray for one another and, and walk in a mature place in that. I'm not, I'm not saying that's not true of people. I, I know people who do that. It's very honorable. You get no recognition. You don't get any kind of pat on the back for... for weeping before the Lord on the behalf of another and interceding for them from a spiritual place, you know? I know people who do that. My mother has been like that for years. I've had seasons of that. But just stepping back as a whole, and even if you do this and your first response is, hey, easy now, I do that. Okay, that's fine. Don't feel threatened. Again, we're trying to mature and move further. We're not plateauing in this walk. The scripture never talks about a plateau of anything spiritual. I'm 45 years old and I'm maturing. I'll be maturing when I'm 80. So let's not be so threatened should anybody feel that way. It's okay. We're moving towards the more. We're moving towards the greater. We're moving from faith to faith. It's okay. That's the progressional salvation and sanctification that we read in Scripture is, is, is right and necessary. And so my question is, how much of our prayer is just really... Just small. Not in quantity necessarily, but more so just in like the quality of what we pray and the boundaries that we place on it. Inadvertently, really. 
like I would say still, even in the lifestyle we have here, with overlapping lives with others, my prayers are still, at the outset, kind of naturally, if you will, fall towards an, like what, what is it going on in me? What's going on around me that I need God to help me with? Change me. Help me. Free me. Forgive me. And I just want to challenge us all. How do we move from our individual selfish prayers to praying the will of the Lord into the greater body of Christ? Like even within the confines of your church, of your gathering, of of your circle of who you run with in a sense, just even spiritually speaking, in, in your journey... Like, are we so limited that, like, our prayers are really limited to what we are experiencing in our own little circle of life, wherever we may be? Whether you're in the big city back in Atlanta and you're living the metro life and you're going to a, a big, fancy mega church with laser lights and smoke and entertaining programs... Do you think outside of those boundaries and parameters? If you're gathering in a home, sitting on couches, a little more intimate intimate setting that lends itself to relational potential, but like even in that more laid back potential is there for us to just kind of be casual and maybe not be quite as sober to the eternal demand upon the changing of a man that we can dare to believe can be furthered by our prayers for them. And so I was thinking about John writing Revelation. Like John, obviously, no one can argue John had an encounter. Oh my goodness, he was in the heavens, just like strolling around with angels saying, hey, what's that? What's this? What in the world's going on over there? What am I seeing? And was not all of Revelation completely unrelated to him individually? I mean, we read these things today, and many of these things, as we know, of course, are, are yet to come. It was for the establishing and the clarification of the order of God throughout the ages, culminating in a new heaven and new earth, descending down to establish an eternal kingdom that will never pass away. And so all of this interceding, if you will, this vision that John, the revelator, that'd be a pretty nice tag name, don't you think? Yeah, I'm John, the the revelator. Yeah, I went up to heaven. I was taken up to heaven by the Spirit. Want to hear about it? (laughs) Yes, please. And so all of that, I say that as an example because all of that experience for him, and I'm not saying it's simply limited to a prayer life. I know that that's probably not how it unfolded, but... John's vision was for something so much greater than the receiving of the the word of the Lord, the, the revelation of the Lord 
was not filtered through an individual, what are you saying to me, God, reality. He penned those things as a message to the eternal, limitless body of Christ. Way beyond himself. Perhaps that's even how we got the Gospels. These accounts of men's perception of what they saw in Jesus, saw him do, saw him perform, we need to write this down so that the timeless brethren reality, when that continues throughout the ages, they have this record of what we have seen. They need to know what we have seen. We must preserve it. We must give ourselves to it. And of course, they did that, and now we have that today. And so in the same sense in prayer, like expanding our understanding of who we're praying for, outside of ourselves, outside of our own circle. But like what, and I, and I started here back with the Revelation stuff because everything that John would say is basically the angel would declare, listen to what the Spirit is saying to the church What is the Spirit saying to the church? And I get back to where I started. Our understanding of what we're asking has to be appropriated rightly. What is the Spirit speaking to the present day manifestation of the body of Christ on the earth? That it needs expanded beyond ourselves. It needs expanded beyond our whatever our corporate reality is if we have it. And I know many of you listening to this do not have it. And we need to reckon with that. The plurality of the body. My arm cannot function by itself. It has to be in its place, ordered beside other members underneath the headship of Christ. We have to reckon with that. My body cannot be an autonomous function of the head. You cut my arm off and put it in a drawer, not trying to be gory, it cannot function. And I had this visual this morning feeding my calves. I have five calves here on our farm, and they're just the the perfect depiction of what I believe is just something we have to continue to wrestle with and submit to the Lord in our lives is, you know what, God, I'm hungry. I have five and they just line up. I put feed in their feed trough and man, they're just instantly enemies. (laughs) Pushing, prodding, stepping on. I'm going to do everything I have to do to get you out of my way to get my allotted amount of food today. I don't care about you whatsoever. I mean, if you step back, I'm eating everything that's in your space. Consumed with what we rightfully need. We need to receive the argument on the other side as well. You know, it's the, if I don't go to the Lord on my own, I've got nothing to give a brother. Well, yeah, that's true. That's not, that's not an arguable point. 
But what do we do with what we have? Because the body of Christ in the Scriptures is a shared reality. And it's not shared in the sense of a meeting. It's shared in the sense of what I have is yours. And not like in the sense of, hey, if I buy a tiller, I have to bring it over to your house whenever you ask because, hey, this isn't my tiller. This is our tiller in the body of Christ. No, it's not that. It's my heart. It's the posture of my heart of like realizing that what is mine is not just mine. That everything that I possess is not for me to keep under tight rein and you can't have it. And I believe it's way more metaphorically appropriate to use this and implement this into the matters of our heart. And the, and the hey, the boundaries, right? The boundaries of myself. This is mine in here. You need to back off. This is my, this is my personal relationship with Jesus, brother. You have yours, I'll have mine. This is not scriptural, people. There is no do-your-own-thing reality that I find in the scriptures. It's the plurality of the body. What What do we mean when we hear words like corporate body? Do we even have a context for that? And in the light of prayer, like, are we even in our verbiage, rightly speaking, according to what we have to position ourselves to be within the ancient, eternal body of Christ in our approach of praying in what the Spirit is saying in this hour. Not being the calves at the trough that are pushing one another out because the only thing on our mind is what I need today. And dare to believe that, like, unless I'm postured to receive from the Lord what is needed, in, not in my fellowship, not in my house, and not just to myself, but, like, the body of Christ is somehow rightly dependent upon me, knowing what the Spirit is saying to her, capital H, in my present age on the earth. And believing in faith that somehow I have a voice into that. I have a place. If we can dare to believe this is true. To usher into the earth the kingdom purposes of God. And that if I don't do that, somehow the kingdom on the earth that the Lord desires to establish is a little bit lesser from my withdrawing from that responsibility. And we may think, well, big deal. If I don't rightly position myself to usher in the word of the Lord in my lifetime, big deal, right? What, what am I? Who am I? What is man that you're mindful of me? I'm a speck of sand on a seashore, right? Yes, that's true. But let's look at the history and pattern of the church. And if this happens in believer after believer after believer, generation upon generation upon generation, and the powers of the air continue to minimize the call of God upon a man, 
and the responsibility to usher in the eternal kingdom purposes of the church on the earth, if this happens for generations and generations and generations, do we not find ourselves with the fruit from that? Where God looks at the earth and says, is there anyone faithful down there? Is there anyone set apart? Is there anyone that's not mixed? Is there anyone full of faith on the earth? I'm looking, is there anyone who is entering into fulfilling the eternal purposes of man on the earth? Lord, help us to be those people. To be sober to a point of realizing our individual responsibility into the eternal corporate reality of being the kingdom of God on the earth. In our prayers, in our expectations, in our positioning to receive the word of the Lord of what the Spirit is saying to the churches in 2019. So friends, today, be stirred. Be convicted. Allow the Lord to offend you and question you and and elevate your expectation of why you pray. So that what the Spirit is saying to the churches is known. Because can we not say that right now, who in the world knows? The church is in chaos. The church is an individual, casual, culture-driven programs or no order at all no guidance at all no direction no leadership no authority no proper understanding of the functions of the purposes of the church and it's just a giant free-for-all So may we find what the Spirit is saying to the churches and not just be like, well, that's for Pastor Brian. That's for the prophets on the email list. That's for the praise team. No, that's for us. That is for the one who says it's no longer me, no longer I that live, but Christ in me. I must position myself alongside the mediator And hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. To the body of Christ, globally speaking. What is God wanting to usher into the earth today? And believing that here, and this is how it makes sense in a cyclical way, it comes all the way way right back from its origin, from me to my household, to my fellowship, to our community, to our region, to our nation, to the world, to the kingdom seen and unseen as I expand my understanding of what I'm praying unto and in light of, and then it comes back down, right back from where it started, and it comes right back down through that pattern. And it comes from heaven, and it makes its way back through that cycle, that demographic, if you will, all the way back down to my fellowship, to my home, to me. This is how we implement the kingdom of God on the earth. Because then I have to do something that does affect 
me and my household and my brethren here. And ultimately, the entire kingdom of God on the earth in my age. So be encouraged, brothers and sisters, strangers, friends, old friends. We're called to something great. Stop praying laying in your bed at midnight when you're half asleep laying down. Stand up before the Lord in honor. Bow before Him. Approach the eternal Yahweh God as people used to do. As men who are regenerated and can boldly approach the throne of God with some sort of God-given authority on the earth. So may this be true, not for me, not just for my house, not just for my friends here. But may this be true of the body of Christ that is being birthed into the earth that will end all the culmination of the ages so that Revelation 21 can take place in a new Heaven and a new earth descend. New Jerusalem established forever. This is what we are going unto. So may we wake up and realize that reality and embrace it with fervor and excitement and anticipation and awe and humility that we have been called unto such a thing. So Lord, have your way in your people. Amen.